Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right. Uh, well, fortunately, um, we're asking this next question on the state of... Well, unfortunately, we have no listeners left. Yeah. Um, this but will be for did, future posterity. <laughs> if we did have any listeners left, we should be able to clear the house today. Yeah, this one should be polarizing, definitely. In case you're tuning in for the first time, this is the Gospel for Life. First and only first and time. Maybe we'll regain our listenership at this point. We are uh, four Treasure Valley pastors, uh, uh, friends. We we started meeting in 2017 at the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, and we started putting on a yearly conference, and God willing, there'll be a conference this year as well in the month of November. Two great speakers, Dr. Robert Godfrey and Dr. or Pastor Terry Johnson. I think he's also a doctor. He's a doctor, too. I just, did I demote him? Dang. Yeah. I think he is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, in the meantime, we are going through the State of Theology, which is a survey that Ligonier Ministries put out, and uh, this is Statement 21. Basically, they put out questions on theology proper, which is who God is, our salvation, soteriology, eschatology, ecclesiology, the church, and now it's talking about politics on this question. So question 21 is Christians should be silent on issues of politics, and Evangelicals, uh, 16% agreed that Christians should be silent on issues of politics. You know, I, I believe strongly that Christians should be silent on politics if they disagree with me. <laughs> and <laughs> then, then be There's quiet. That. Then be quiet. <laughs> and, and I'll talk. So the, this, this question the, needs nuance, th- th- right? The Bible, the Bible calls us to be salt and light in our own society. In, in the societies that we live, we live in fallen cultures. And so we addre- we, we're addressing the human need for uh, a great many things. For instance, justice, walking humbly with God. That's, that's what a Christian is supposed to do. He's to love justice and walk humbly with God. And so in that way, we address culture. So... It's good that uh, you know the state of theology shows that the larger percent of people say no, we shouldn't be silent. Mm-hmm. And I guess the big question is, to what degree do we engage on that level? And that would probably be the larger question. That sure, uh, sure. And and let me clarify. And I think the the, the uh, listeners were assuming that I was joking earlier. You were my guys and <laughs> my guys here in the room. You know, I didn't get that, that at all. Yeah, but anyway. Um, no, uh, obviously, uh, we speak to political issues because political issues touch on uh, matters of life and death and, mm-hmm. and human flourishing and, and uh, all of so many different issues that God's Word touches on and uh, that God's Word speaks to. And so uh, I think where the, where the rub comes, uh, at least for me, 
is are are we are we coming at political issues from a moral and biblical standpoint rather than my own partisan political viewpoints? Um, am I am I really ad- addressing from from God's word uh, the political issues of the time? Uh, there's a difference between speaking into politics, speaking God's truth into into political situations. There's a difference between that and the church engaging in partisan politics. Right. I'm a little bit nervous to to say anything because I don't know if I'm going to fully agree with Phil, and he's already said that if I don't agree with him, I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, so that's I, right. I, I'm yes. a little bit hesitant. Um, but to pick up on what Phil was saying, I think that if we really believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, which we all hold to in this room, then of course we as Christians have something to say to not just politics, but to science, but to psychology and sociology and in all arenas of life, because mm-hmm. we do believe that the scriptures speak to all arenas of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just one of the arenas that falls under the authority of the teaching of the Word of God. And, and, and so we use wisdom to seek to apply biblical principles to all of life. Yes, right. Um, I think the the rub is how do we do so wisely? Uh-huh. We speak to politics, but I think we have to be careful that we're not political. Yes, um, especially those of us in the room here as ministers, we don't want to confuse our our people and somehow blur the line of gospel ministry and all of a sudden being overtly mm. political from the pulpit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that, I may, I probably just, there's a better way to say this. Can I make this. one, can yes, I make one qualification? Do. So like some of our brothers in what's called the radical two kingdom camp, which I disagree with it. They make a very hard separation between the life of the kingdom of God and the life of, uh, you know, the city of man or the city of God and the city of man. I don't agree with that hard, hard um, separation. And one of the things that they will say is that there's not a there's not a Christian view on this political issue. There's not a Christian view, and I'm air quotes. There's not a Christian view on this political issue or that political issue. But but I think they're just not being consistent. Is there a Christian view on the family? Is there a Christian view on vocation? Is there a Christian view on adoption? Is there a Christian view on all these other matters? You were talking about the whole of life. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. say, yes, there is. Well, then there's also a Christian view on politics. And that doesn't mean that we are going to get it right. We might be wrong at many instances in our speaking about it. But to say there's not a, a Christian view in, in my mind is, is equivalent to saying there's not a biblical view or there's not a way that God thinks about these things. You know, we're the gospel for life. We recognize that the good news of, of God's grace speaks to us in all of life. In fact, Second Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. The fact that the knowledge of God speaks into all of life that makes it possible for us to identify, uh, you know, truth from error. And there are people who love, you know, love error. Why do they love error? Because their deeds are wicked, we're told. And so they will promote the lie in order to cover their misdeed. And this is something that we see, you know, and, and we see it on every level of life, whether it's, you know, in corporate, uh, in the corporate world, in the business world, or in the political world, there are people that are not honest brokers, you might say. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for, honest brokers. And so 
as Christians, we speak toward those people who lack that integrity in, in order to communicate the truth. And so I think that, uh, you know, we, we're doing that within our fallen culture. We're doing that in, in ways that interact with politics and the cultural context and how do we view history and, and where history is going. Those are all, all things that we're talking about. Yeah. I think you, you even have biblical examples. I mean, the prophets of the Old Testament spoke into the po- political system of the day. Now, I understand— John the Baptist lost his head over that, yeah. too. <laughs> and I was going to say, you could make the argument that in the Old Testament you have a theocracy. That right. Then that doesn't count. But I think John the Baptist actually then provides us still a prophetic voice speaking into the political world of his day um, speaking into the life of Herod. Well, there's principles that carry, even though yeah. the Old Testament Israel was a theocracy. So Jehoshaphat said to his judges at his time, this is 2 Chronicles 19, consider what you do, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Can anyone say that's still not true? I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that if, if it's true about the individual that all of our actions are, uh, were accountable to God and God sees all of them and God judges all of them, then that individual, when he enters into the political realm, it's not like he's divested of those things. Mm-hmm. He's still accountable to God in but, the way that he serves. And, but you do have, well, I mean, examples of God's people interacting with pagan rulers. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the religious establishment. I mean, Joseph serves in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Moses comes and, and speaks to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Daniel serving in the Babylonian Empire. I mean, you, you've got examples of people engaging in, and in fact, the political systems of their day. And Daniel, when he rebuked Nebuchadnezzar before Nebuchadnezzar turned into a beast, whatever, no. um, I'm not... <laughs> It just didn't come out the way I wanted it yeah, to. Yeah, just, just uh, don't distract yourself. Keep he going. Lived, he lived going. like a beast. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yes. He rebuked him for not following God's law, for not showing mercy, for being self-righteous. I mean, and so, you know, I don't, I don't think that all of a sudden the, the, new co- you know, the New Testament comes and then say, oh, all of that is right. old and we throw right. all that away. Right. And throughout history, uh, Christians have attempted to do that. To make to make the the witness of the gospel entirely apolitical, and, and a, a historical example that I'm th- thinking of is in the 1800s here in the United States, and the movement for the abolition of slavery was a almost entirely a Christian movement, not not exclusively. There was there were some atheists on board too, but uh, it it was the abolitionist movement was almost 100 percent. A Christian movement, and and it was and and it was fed and nurtured by preaching in Christian pulpits. Mm. Uh, but there was a reaction against that in the South, as you might imagine, uh, in the defense of slavery. And and it came out. It came from. I'm I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but it came from a Presbyterian theologian, somebody out of my tradition. Oh, that hurts. Yes, named uh, James Henley Thornwell. I'm fine on this side of the table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, my my Dutch reform friends are, are gloating now, but anyway, um, James Henley Thornwell in the South, uh, in the in he was at Columbia Seminary in Atlanta, and he came up with a uh, this elaborate doctrine that he called the spiritual nature of the church, 
and that this, the church must only speak to what he called spiritual issues. And for the church to talk about slavery, he, and, and the interesting thing is, he didn't overtly defend slavery. He just said the church shouldn't talk about that because the church must stick to spiritual issues. And we can, we can look back in history now and say that seems so clearly wrong. And, and it's so, so clear now that he was simply avoiding the great moral issue of his day. Mm-hmm. But think about today. Bring that, bring that into today. Are we going to say, like James Henley Thornwell, that the church can only speak to, quote, spiritual issues. I certainly hope not. And I think we just have to maintain that we, that we do not look for politics to replace the gospel and Amen. to replace the work of the yes. spiritual life of the church. That's right. Yes. So we, we speak into politics, but we don't look to politics to be our savior. Well, I think and that, I think we maintain that balance. I think what it takes is we have to have our finger planted in the text of God's word and when we do speak. Right. You know, wherever wherever it is, we are actually redirecting the attention to what God's word says. That's right. Amen. Well we will see you next time on the Gospel for Life. 